This board is done explaining anything to these people who are playing investigator. The defamatory lies need to stop. It needs to stop. It's time to say enough is enough. It is time to push back on the big lie. Okay then, good luck with that. I'm right there with you. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No kidding. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, we're talking about New Hampshire again, yes we are, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. And by the way, we're also talking about Ohio, so stand by, WGRN listeners. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, We discussed uh, last week on the show Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's newly announced plan to try and convince Buckeye staters to... Uh, to get their COVID uh, vaccine shots by making everyone 18 years of age and older who has received at least one shot eligible to win one of five $1 million lottery drawings to be held each Wednesday for five weeks in a row beginning on May 26th, next Wednesday. So uh, get your shots, Ohioans. I was, at the time uh, that he announced this plan, I, I wouldn't say critical of the plan. Was I critical, Desi Doyen, of the plan? Uh, you joked about it, I guess. Jokingly critical. I joked about it. I had ways that I thought he could improve the plan, but I don't <laughs> think I was critical. Well, maybe a little. Uh, for example, I thought, hey, why not have 10 winners each week of $100,000 each instead of a million dollars, instead of, you know, one winner of $1 million each week. I mean, Spread would, it out. Yes, would, would anybody really not get their shots because a, a larger chance of, 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 of winning $100,000 for doing so was not as good as a smaller chance of winning $1 million? I don't know. For that matter, why not 20 winners? That would be good. 20 winners each week of $50,000 each for five weeks in a row. That's 100 residents, if my math is right. 
uh, in Ohio, winning $50,000 each for getting a life-saving vaccine that I am such a sucker, I just went ahead and got for free. (laughs) Nobody gave me nothing to get a shot that could save my life. What a ripoff. Anyway, uh, essentially, uh, paying people to get their shots is not necessarily a bad idea, to be frank, as I I think we also discussed that. Yeah, the idea that you give people incentives. People who are hesitant, who need a little more of a nudge, you nudge them hard with incentives. In West Virginia, for example, Republican Governor Jim Justice is giving $100 savings bonds to those between ages of uh, 16 and 35 who get their shots, while New Jersey is offering free beers and, and New York is offering free metro cards to those who get a shot at a subway vaccination site. Not a subway sandwich store, which would probably be more sanitary, but actually <laughs> at a uh, at a site that they're setting up in uh, New York subway stations, which I think you ought to get something in return for that if you're willing to get your shot in uh, one of those places. But uh, it's also interesting, by the way, that the Republican governors in Ohio and West Virginia are actually giving money away and they are using federal funds from the American Rescue Plan to do it. So, yes, that's right. Uh, Government socialism to convince their residents to get vaccinated with a free government socialized vaccine by those Republican governors. The Democratic ones, they're like, oh, we'll give you a free beer. How's that? Or nothing. How's that? Yes, (laughs) just like what you got. Anyway, uh, whether there is a better way to do it or not, I don't know. At least Governor DeWine's plan in Ohio appears to be showing signs of working, and that is a good thing. According to NBC, state officials said on Monday that more than 25,400 COVID-19 vaccine shots were administered last Friday, just after the $5 million lottery program was announced, making it the highest vaccination day in three weeks. Cool. Maybe more telling, they note, were the people who got vaccinated. Vaccinations for residents ages 30 to 74, the age group that they have been having trouble getting vaccinated, apparently. That group spiked by 6%. That after weeks of steady decline. Uh, So you got to tie it to this lottery deal. State Health Director Stephanie McLeod said not only have we uh, achieved our goal of increasing public awareness and interest, which I guess they did because everybody covered it nationally that Ohio is giving away a a million dollars, she said. But we have also slowed what was a consistent decline. And in certain age groups, we are seeing an increase again. This is doing exactly what we intended it to do. Good for her. Yeah, that's the whole point. I'm glad it's working. Melissa Worthy Arnold, the CEO of the Ohio chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, said we were really encouraged by those numbers. We have really struggled with that age group, the 30 to 74 age group in the state of Ohio. And she said, I think it's wonderful that it gave people a second thought. So, yeah, though I'm not surprised about that, and frankly, I'm not sure at this point why the federal government doesn't just pay everyone to get a shot. How about a $100 bill? I mean, I suspect you would see a huge uptick in people getting those shots if you got a $100 bill at the end, don't you think? 
Am I yeah, wrong? Probably, but you know, socialism. <laughs> you don't have any Republicans oh, yeah. getting yeah. behind that. Yeah, unless they're the governor of the state, and instead of giving away a hundred dollar bill, they're giving away a million dollars. In any event, Ohio's lottery, by the way, is for those ages uh, 18 years of age and older to win that $1 million. But they also have a program for younger residents as well to encourage them. Ohioans aged 12 to 17 who have had at least one shot can enter to win one of five four-year full-ride scholarships to state colleges or universities or possibly, NBC says, private institutions, according to state officials. The governor remains optimistic about the early indicators, DeWine spokesperson Dan Tierney said. The curve is now trending in the other direction as far as where we were headed. We hope that continues. Tierney said, at the very least, this has accomplished the goal of raising awareness of the vaccine. Uh, starting today, so this is important. Apparently, you need to opt in. You can't just get that shot. Oh. You have to opt in to Pay be attention, eligible Ohio. for the drawing. Yes, please. So starting today, Ohioans who would like to enter the drawing must opt in by visiting OhioVaxamillion.com. <laughs> Seriously, OhioVaxamillion. Vax with an X. OhioVaxamillion.com. Uh, or you can call the state health department. So apparently you need to opt in. Entries, however, you only have to do it once. They'll be carried over through all the subsequent drawings, according to officials. So please consider this a public service to our listeners in Ohio. And in particular, up in uh, Columbus, listening on WGRN 94.1 FM, I want everyone there listening to, A, make sure they get you know, at least their first shot before next Wednesday, and then B, sign up to be eligible for the $1 million lottery prizes at OhioVaxamillion.com, and then C, win one of those prizes, <laughs> and then D, share a healthy portion of your winnings with us via bradblog.com slash donate since we have been so helpful in making sure that you know about all of this. And share it with WGRN, too. Uh, the money with the yeah. WGA? Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. Good point. Thank you. As a matter of fact, give it all to them. <laughs> we don't actually deserve anything now that I think about it. Anyway, and everyone, everywhere else, if you're not in Ohio, just get your damn shots. It doesn't hurt, and it just may save your life and those around you who you love, even if you have to do it for free. God forbid. <sighs> All right. And hey, uh, speaking of free money from the government for something many of you are doing anyway, Joe Biden's uh, job approval uh, polling uh, numbers so far anyway remain generally very high and, of course, far higher than the previous guys ever were that he ever saw during his his uh, four failed years in office. So. One reason, of course, is I'm sure people were very happy to receive those $1,400 emergency payment uh, payment checks or cards or direct payments uh, from the government, from Joe Biden and the Democrats' American Rescue Plan. Again, that was passed without one single Republican vote. That $1,400 you received was thanks to Democrats and thanks to no Republicans. 
And it'll be interesting to see if there will be a notable bump in those approval numbers for Biden over the summer when millions of Americans with children are set to begin receiving monthly checks, monthly checks from the U.S. government under the same Democratic past American rescue plan. The Treasury Department on Monday announced that 39 million families are now set to receive monthly child payments beginning on July 15. The payments are part of President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, the American Rescue Plan, which expanded the child tax credit for one year and made it possible to prepay the benefits of that expanded tax credit on a monthly basis with a check or a direct deposit. Nearly 88% of children are set to receive the benefits without their parents needing to take any additional action at this time. Those monthly payments will go, by the way, to Democrats and Republican families alike. Though for any Republicans who think that's a terrible idea, because, again, socialism, well, I'm sure you're welcome to send those checks back to the government, which I'm sure you will right away. Am I right, Republicans? Don't take that money. But please do note, uh, when your Republican congressman starts taking credit for those payments, please note that uh, he or she, probably he, voted against you receiving those checks. Biden said in his remarks at the White House on Monday, this tax cut sends a clear and powerful message to American workers, working families with children. Help is here. Qualified families will receive a payment of up to $300 per month for each child under six and up to $250 per month for children between the ages of six and 17. The child tax credit was previously capped uh, prior to this expansion at $2,000 and only paid out to families with income tax obligations after they filed with the IRS as a tax credit. For now, the cap is waived and the payments actually come. You don't have to wait until next year. You don't have to wait to see if you owed taxes. Now the payments will come each month to you, no matter your tax burden at the end of the year. Uh, for this year, couples earning $150,000 or less can receive the full payments on the 15th of each month. In most cases, by direct deposit, the benefits total $3,600 annually for children under six and $3,000 for each child uh, who is older than that. So that is a lot of money. That is cash. That is cash money for families. And I hope the Biden administration and the Democrats are smart enough to also let Americans know who brung it to them. Now, the uh, it was Democrats, by the way. It was not Republicans. <laughs> just to make that absolutely just, clear. In case you have just turned in, tuned in. Now, the American Rescue Plan is a one-year program only, however, but the president has now proposed an extension of that increased child tax credit through 2025. As part of his uh, $1.8 trillion proposal, the American Families Plan, which Republicans are already in opposition to. Outside analysts, nonetheless, estimate that these payments, these payments that are already set to go out, will now cut child poverty in half in America. So, of course, why would Republicans want to support that?
So that's a tax cut to Americans that would go to those who need it most. And it would cost about one trillion dollars over 10 years if it was actually ever extended out to uh, at this rate, 2031. Right now, Biden will be lucky if it gets extended to 2025. But contrast that tax cut with the 2017 Trump GOP tax cuts that went to largely corporations and the wealthy and cost two trillion dollars over 10 years which pretty much every Republican lawmaker voted in favor of. Maybe all of them. But, you know, helping children get out of poverty, helping working families emerge from poverty, well, that's wasteful spending that we can't afford, according to the Republicans. By the way, many progressives had hoped that Biden's American Families Plan would actually make that expanded child tax credit permanent instead of just going to 2025, as Biden has currently proposed. So I do hope that progressives in Congress will keep pushing Joe Biden on that as the American Families Plan moves forward. He does seem to respond to pushing. Yes. On a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, also, I mentioned it very quickly, I believe, last week, but the American Rescue Plan, by the way, also expanded federal premium support for health care premiums under the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. So if you signed up for health care under one of the state or federal exchanges under the ACA, go check your policy right now because you're probably now paying about $100 less per month than you were before May. And I believe Biden is pushing to make that expansion permanent, if I recall. Now, you may support these or you may not support these, but I suspect most people, particularly the millions, the hundreds of millions of participants who are who are getting this uh, the, either this money back from the government or uh, you know help to pay for their health care? I expect that they will appreciate this, all of this stuff that comes out of the American uh, Rescue Plan. And if I was a Democrat, I would be spending a whole lot of time right now reminding Americans who did this for them, and by the way, who tried to block it for them. But Democrats are not very good at that, so at least. I'm trying to let you know, not because I think you should support Democrats, but because I think you should be an informed, educated voter, hopefully by next year in 2022, and you can vote accordingly. So uh, there you go. Yeah. And and I just want to add one thing specifically about these uh, these payments for children, for parents with children, that unlike the Republican tax cuts of 2017, these payments circulate directly back into the economy. Right. They aren't held back. They don't go into stocks. They don't go into yachts. They go into (laughs) buying stuff for kids. They actually circulate in the economy immediately. Food, things like food, which goes right, goes immediately into the economy. It doesn't go into someone's, uh, uh, you know, third or fourth vacation home. Exactly, and so that improves the economy as well. Democrats are in favor of that. Republicans are against that. That's not partisan. That is just facts. Uh, Anyway, uh, speaking of voting, let me take a quick break here. We'll come back and try to make sense of the not one, but two ongoing post-election audits from the 2020 election. 
uh, with a bit of an update on each of them. One in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, which you may have heard about, and one you may not have heard about in Windham, New Hampshire. One of those two audits is a crazy clown show, and the other uh, is actually transparently potentially producing results uh, that may, again, help inform the electorate about what is actually going on with their own election systems. That is straight ahead on the broadcast. Oh, also, Desi Doyne's latest Green News report is coming up a bit later as well. If we're lucky. (laughs) If we're lucky. Uh, In the meantime, this is the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. This is how we do Yeah, this is how we do it. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com playing your favorite hits from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> was that was that from the 80s? I think it's the 80s. Don't even 90s. Know. All right. Anyway, welcome back to the broadcast. The um the post-election forensic auditing continues uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. That's Maricopa County. It continues led by a train wreck of a private Florida cybersecurity firm called Cyber Ninjas with no experience in post-election audits or voting systems and a wingnut CEO who is on record arguing that the election, the 2020 election, was stolen from Donald Trump. And then there's another audit by actual world-class voting systems and post-election audit experts who actually know what they are doing and may be figuring out what appears to have gone wrong in a state House of Representatives race, which a hand count, a hand recount last November in New Hampshire revealed to have results that did not match the computer optical scan results from election night. We've discussed the insanity in uh, Maricopa County quite a bit on this show with uh, folks who are inside the count. Uh, I have made clear that I have absolutely no problem with post-election audits, even by hard right or hard left partisans who want to know who actually won or lost and and if computer tabulations were accurate as per voter intent. My problem in Maricopa is that the hard right partisans uh, have been given complete control of the county's 2.1 million ballots. That's uh, I think that's two thirds of the vote in the entire state of Arizona without any real oversight so they you know they can do anything they want with those ballots as they search for things like bamboo fibers in the papers to somehow indicate that they are fake ballots that came from China or something in the state which Joe Biden was certified as having won by about a little bit more than 10,000 votes or so and as this group in uh, in in Phoenix uh, does not let 
anyone know what they are actually doing as they are doing it? They have blocked the press and the public from, you know, overseeing what they are doing, uh, at least until a court ordered them to allow some oversight of whatever their process is. That same court actually had to order them to turn over their procedure guidelines, which they tried to claim were trade secret somehow that could not be disclosed to the public. This is not how you do a public <laughs> audit of a public election. This is not how you do it. Correct. <laughs> Uh, the documents, by the way, in the end that they were forced by the court to release did not reveal much other than that they had plans to protect the ballots should Antifa attack the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum where they're doing their audit theater. Seriously, that's what they were most concerned about was what would happen if Antifa and BLM showed up. And as we reported exclusively, apparently here on the broadcast, uh, the system of hand counting that they described in their procedures document would allow a minimum of 42,000 votes to be changed without setting off any internal or external alarm bells at all. No external alarm bells because there are no external alarms <laughs> because we don't know what they are doing each day. Exactly. So this is audit theater, and it is courtesy of the Republicans who control the Arizona State Senate which gave uh, these clowns $150,000 of taxpayer money, this private company, to do this theoretically public audit, this company named Cyber Ninjas, uh, for this nonsense that we've been watching play out in Maricopa for the last three weeks. And now the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors uh, seems to have had it. They seem to have had enough. The Board of Supervisors is a five-person board. Four of the board members are Republicans. There is one Democrat. And so now the Board of Supervisors and the newly elected Republican county recorder, he's the guy who runs the elections now in Maricopa County, they have all apparently had enough. They had a meeting and a press conference yesterday. They sent a letter to the Arizona State Senate uh, in which they expressed their fury at the continuing clown show that has embarrassed Phoenix, has embarrassed Maricopa County. This after the ninja auditors had accused the county of somehow deleting election database files that were supposed to be turned over to them. They were claiming that passwords needed to carry out the audit were not given to them. And after the uh, wingnut president of the uh, of the Senate, Karen Fan, had called the supervisors and the county recorder to a meeting to explain these supposed anomalies, which uh, seemed to have been the final straw for the Republican officials on the Board of Supervisors and the County Recorder's Office. Here's just a, a few of them uh, on Monday night. This board is done explaining anything to these people who are playing investigator. The defamatory lies need to stop. It needs to stop. It's time to say enough is enough. It is time to push back on the big lie. As Washington Post reports, the Republican-dominated Maricopa County Board of Supervisors on Monday denounced the ongoing audit of the 2020 election vote as a, quote, sham and a, quote, con. Calling on the GOP state, you know, when I call it a con and a sham on this show, people call me partisan. Well, 
This is the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, Republican-dominated. Four of the five of them are Republicans calling all of this, what? A sham and a con, just as we have been doing for weeks at this point. They are calling on the GOP-led state Senate to end this recount that has been championed by former President Donald Trump in a fiery public meeting and a subsequent letter to state Senate President Karen Fan. The board member said the audit has been inept, has promoted falsehoods, and has defamed the public servants who ran the fall election. Calling the process a, quote, spectacle that is harming all of us. The five members of the board, including four Republicans, asked the state Senate to recognize that it is essential to call off the audit, which officials have said is only about one quarter completed. That was another issue that came up that uh, we told you early on. This thing was supposed to be done by May 14, I think. And uh, it will uh, at this rate. And we we told you that at the rate they were going, it was going to take weeks and weeks, months and months. In fact, Uh, at this rate, it looks like it won't be done until July. Uh, in any event, the, the, and that's uh, the speeded up version of their process. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The supervisors write in their letter, it's time to make a choice to defend the Constitution and the Republic. We stand united together to defend the Constitution and the Republic in our opposition to the big lie. We ask everyone to join us in standing for the truth. Uh, they added using a term referring to the false claim that the election was stolen in a calculated show of unity. They were joined by uh, Maricopa's other elected officials. That would be the, sh- the county sheriff, who is a Democrat, and the Republican county recorder, who leads the elections office. The county officials wrote, Our state has become a laughingstock. Worse, this audit is encouraging our citizens to distrust, distrust elections, which weakens our Democratic Republic. Jointly, the county officials agreed that they would refuse to attend a meeting called on Tuesday by Karen Fan of the uh, state Senate to discuss what she had termed serious issues with the vote that cyber ninjas claimed to have identified. The uh, Board of Supervisors chair, Jack Sellers, a Republican, said at the public meeting, I will not be responding to any more requests from this sham process. Finish your audit and be ready to defend what you're finding in a court of law, he said. Another Republican supervisor, Bill Gates. No, (laughs) not that one. His name is actually Bill Gates. Uh, He said at uh, Monday's meeting that no county official would attend the meeting that Fan had called. He said, uh, quote, this board was going to uh, this. This board was going to be part of a political theater broadcast on live stream by OAN, he said, referring to the pro-Trump Uh, Media outlet One American News, whose hosts have been both covering the audit and simultaneously raising private donations to pay for the audit. Gates said we are not going to be part of that. Maricopa's new Republican county recorder, Stephen Richer, who defeated Democrat Adrian Fontes, uh, who we've had on the show. He was uh, defeated in the election last November. Uh, Richer had a few frustrated words of his own at the Monday uh, meeting. Since taking office, I have enlisted legal counsel multiple times to defend myself from outlandish criminal accusations. 
I have been accused of shredding ballots tabulated in an election that I didn't run, run by my predecessor, my political opponent. I have been accused of inserting fake ballots delivered from a South Korean plane. The claims have even been indulged by the Senate Majority Whip. More recently, I have been accused of deleting entire databases, even though I participated in the transference of all databases to the Senate, have seen them with my own eyes, and even though I still have access to the current fully functional voting database. It is enough. I didn't want to get involved. I wanted to sit quietly on the sidelines, but it is enough. I am now the leader of an office of 160 full-time employees, and I am tired of hearing them defamed and ridiculed. They are good people. They are hardworking people. They are people of integrity. They are my friends. Of course, it's a bit rich of me to stand up here in front of you all and, and tell you about how this is, this is untenable. You all have been subjected to six months of harassment. Supervisor Hickman has even been accused of feeding ballots to hundreds of thousands of chickens at his farm and then purposefully incinerating them. Why? Because you all had the audacity to co-run the 2020 election. You know, I hadn't heard that chickens thing. Yeah, had you that, heard that one? No, no when I, I heard him heard say that, it originally, yeah. I was like, what? And are they incinerating the chickens or the ballots? Unclear, I think. Hopefully, we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll see what we can learn about the uh, chickens. <laughs> the, whatever that conspiracy theory controversy. Is. Yeah, that was a new one even for me. And I thought I covered all of this uh, stuff. Uh, so that was the Republican Maricopa County recorder at this meeting of the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, who are all Republicans themselves, explaining to them that this stuff needs to stop, even though they were up there saying the exact same thing. This stuff needs to stop. And then they went on in their 13-page uh, letter that they sent to President Senate President Karen Fan. went on to say, You have rented out the once good name of the Arizona State Senate to grifters and con artists who are fundraising hard-earned money from our fellow citizens, even as your contractors parade around the Coliseum hunting for bamboo and something they call kinematic artifacts. Uh, the five supervisors wrote in their letter, none of these things are done in a serious audit. The result is that the Arizona audit is held up to ridicule in every corner of the globe and our democracy is imperiled. This, this is the audit that our disgraced former president, by the way, has been declaring to be the key to proving that he actually won last year's election. The audit that has embarrassed the Republican County Board of Supervisors in Maricopa and its newly elected uh, Republican recorder who had nothing to do with the election other than running in it and saying, you are making a mockery out of this. It's a sham. It's a con. And yeah, it sounds exactly like the broadcast. After the uh, Twitter account associated with the uh, Maricopa audit claimed that the officials had deleted files just before they were supposed to be handed over this, the, all this material to the Senate and they caused, quote, spoilation, spoliation of evidence. That's a potential criminal act. At that point, Donald Trump seized on that comment and took it even further, writing in a statement over the weekend that, quote, the entire database of Maricopa County has been deleted. <laughs> Adding, quote, this is illegal. 
So much of the county's 13-page letter and an accompanying 17-page technical memo was devoted to disputing all of these various claims. Because unfortunately, they have to waste their time spelling out, hey, this is how election procedures actually work. County recorder Stephen Richer again uh, said at Monday's public meeting that every file the Senate has asked for is there. No files from the 2020 election have been deleted. I would argue that this is an inappropriate delegation of the Senate's authority to conduct this audit over to a private company over which the Senate has apparently zero control. As for the files themselves, every file the Senate has asked for is there. No files from the 2020 elections have been deleted. We deleted zero, zero election files. Says you. Anyway, uh, there's more. But this gives you an idea of sort of where we are with this clown show audit theater going on in Maricopa County today. Meanwhile, out in Windham, New Hampshire, where, uh, well, when the state approved a post-election audit of some unexplained numbers in a state representative's race in the town of 14,000 people, Donald Trump declared that they had found thousands and thousands of massively fraudulent votes, zero of which is actually true in any way, shape or form at this time. In Wyndham, a real post-election forensic audit has been underway now for the past week. And we know this because they actually have live streaming video, among other things, which, unlike the live streaming video in Maricopa, actually includes sound and a step-by-step explanation by the auditors themselves to the camera of everything that they are doing, each and every box of ballots being opened and closed and counted, etc., by teams of of auditors that sit across the table from each other and approve and agree publicly on each ballot tally with ballot tallies that are are shared live after each batch. Uh, They're shared live on the web throughout the day. You can follow all of this. The public can follow everything that is going on. You can even ask questions, which may be answered by the auditors themselves on their Twitter account, which I highly recommend you follow. It is W Auditors on Twitter, W Auditors, as in Wyndham Auditors. Uh, they're explaining everything. They're uh, including, uh, you know, video clips from uh, throughout the day and so forth. Now, I've been in close touch with the auditors in Wyndham and have been hoping to have one of them on the show. Philip Stark, who invented he's a professor from UC Berkeley. He invented the protocol for post-election risk limiting audits. Uh, I've been hoping to have him on the show to discuss what is going on there, what they're looking for, what they're doing by way of contrast with what's going on in Maricopa. But he has not been able to get clear to join us yet, unfortunately, as he would have to step away. He'd hope to. But right now there's so much going on in such a short time. He would have to step away in the middle of the audit uh, to talk to us. But I have been in touch and 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 following their work and watching the video stream when when I can. And so I wanted to give you a quick update on where things are. And also, as I said, so you can compare it yourself to the clown show going on in Maricopa. So in in this case, in Wyndham, New Hampshire, There is a real mystery. It is not a pretend one. There was a race for the town's 
four state representative seats last November, with four Democrats and four Republicans running for those four seats. So you had eight candidates running total. The four top vote getters among those eight would win the seats is how this particular election is run. All four Republicans in this town ended up winning. They were the top four vote getters in the in this eight person race. And the fifth place vote getter was Democrat Christy St. Laurent, who came in fifth place by just 24 votes based on the computer optical scans of the hand-marked paper ballots that they uh, cast in uh, in New Hampshire, in well, in Wyndham, but really across all of New Hampshire, uh, where some of the towns, by the way, count all of their votes by hand, which I recommend. And you may see why as this story continues. <laughs> uh, in any event, this town uh, counts them with AccuVote uh, uh, scanners. That's a 20-year-old uh, system made by a defunct company named Diebold Elections Systems, Inc., or DESI for <laughs> yes. short. That is their acronym. That is their actual <laughs> acronym, which is why when I was covering them and they were still in business and they were a terrible company, it's why I did not call them DESI Thank very you. often. Because I'd have to say, I had to highlight how terrible DESI is. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, so the Democratic candidate, St. Laurent, had asked for a hand count, a hand count of the ballots since she had only uh, lost a, a, a House seat by 24 votes. She received that hand count about a week after the election last November. That hand count found that each of the Republicans should have, in fact, have had about 300 more votes each than was recorded by the Diebold scanners. And St. Laurent, the Democrat, in fact, ended up losing about 99 votes herself. So the Republicans all picked up about 300 votes each. The Democrat lost 99 votes. So what happened? Well, that is what the auditors hope to figure out. And that is what Trump has been describing as having found thousands and thousands of fraudulent votes in New Hampshire, which is not true. So was the election night computer scan the accurate count? And was the hand count wrong? Could have been. There could have been a, a typo. They might have got the counts right, but they added, added them up wrong at the end of the day. That's why it's so important for the public to be able to follow along with these things, to look at the tally sheets and you know, double check everyone's math uh, or was the computer count wrong and the hand count got it right. And if the hand count was correct, as it usually is, why were the scanners so wildly incorrect in their tabulation of the 10,000 or so votes that were cast in the town of Wyndham? Well, WMUR 9, that's the ABC affiliate in New Hampshire, reports on what I have also been hearing from uh, Philip Stark via email and Twitter and so forth. Independent auditors, they write, examining vote discrepancies in the 2020 state representatives race in Wyndham are zeroing in on fold lines across the ballots as a potential explanation for the significant changes in vote tallies from the November machine count and the subsequent hand recount. Auditors and volunteers at the secure audit facility in Pembroke could be inching closer to an explanation for the discrepancies, they report. 
Mark Lindemann of VerifiedVoting.org, who with Philip Stark of UC Berkeley and the legendary cybersecurity and voting systems expert Harry Hursty, uh, they are running the audit and they are explaining it, as I noted, every step of the way. So here was Lindemann on Monday explaining one of the auditor's lead working theories right now. And it's the one that I, I had discussed with uh, Philip Stark prior to the start of the audit a week or so ago. Uh, here's Lindemann, along with Stark, who jumps in uh, with a thought here, explaining to the auditors uh, something that they should watch out for as they are methodically hand counting all of the ballots. And this is taken uh, from the live video stream that anyone can watch. So have a listen here, and then I'll, I'll try to explain, I'll try to decode for you what they are suggesting here as their current leading theory of what went wrong. Something we strongly suspect at this juncture, uh, based on various evidence, is that in some cases, fold lines are being interpreted by the scanners as valid votes. When the fold line goes through a vote target. <clears throat> when it goes through a target. So, in the pre-scored ballots, that doesn't happen. In actually voted ballots, we have reason to believe it does happen, based on reference images we've examined. Um, so, that is something that we especially want you to look out for. Uh, it's a little obvious. <laughs> we don't normally spontaneously look at fold lines and think, oh, the scanner might have read that as a vote. But yeah, maybe it did. So that's something that we especially want to encourage you to look for at the table. So uh, what he's saying there first is he says it doesn't happen with the pre-scored ballots. In other words, the, the test ballots, the test deck that they run through the uh, scanners to make sure the scanners are working correctly. They put those uh, uh, ballots through and everything seems to work fine. But with real ballots that are mail-in ballots that are folded to fit into an envelope, that is where they're running into a potential problem, or at least this is their theory about what went wrong. So, okay, let me help you try to visualize this. Picture this. There is a column for Democratic candidates uh, on the left and a column for Republican candidates on the right. Four candidates each, and each of those columns are sort of offset. So none of the Democratic candidates line up with the Republican candidates in the other column. Does that make sense? So there's a Democrat on the left and then there's nothing on the right and then there's a Republican on the right and there's nothing on the left. And that continues uh, for all eight candidates, four Democrats and four Republicans. Well, the working theory is that the scanners here, at least one of them in use on election night, might have been reading a fold in the paper ballot as a vote. Uh, because, as it turns out, in, in many cases, apparently, the fold just happened to go through the bubble or the target area, as they call it, for the Democrat, Christy St. Laurent. Yeah, and that, that creates a sort of a shadow that the machine might misread, for example, and as say, oh, vote. that looks like that's filled in. Right. So that means that if someone voted for all four Republicans and filled in those bubbles correctly... And, but the scanner counted the fold through the Democrat St. Laurent's bubble as a vote. Well, that turns into five votes in a race where you can only vote for four people. So the computer would see that as an overvote and the computer scanners, uh, you know, wouldn't count any of those four legitimate Republican votes. Similarly... If uh, a voter didn't vote for four candidates, the, the fold through St. Lawrence bubble 
would count as a vote for her in some cases, even though a hand count would reveal that there was, in fact, no vote for her. It was just a fold going through her bubble. And in fact, as I have argued for years, hand counting reveals how voters actually voted, where computers can get stuff like this completely wrong. If that doesn't make sense, here's Philip Stark explaining that, uh, what I just explained once again, probably more clearly than I just did. It could explain why a hand count found more votes for the Republican candidates, because if someone voted for all four Republican candidates and the ballot happened to have its fold line going through St. Laurent's target, then that would be interpreted by the machines, that might be interpreted by the machines as an overvote, which would then subtract votes from each of those four Republican candidates. Conversely, if there were not four votes already um, on, uh, in that contest by the voter, a fold line through that target could have caused the machine to interpret it as a vote for Saint Laurent. So it, it, depending on the other marks on the ballot, it could either subtract votes for, from Republican candidates who were intentionally voted for or inadvertently add votes to, to her total. There you go. There's Philip Stark, one of the auditors in uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire, explaining this. I hope that makes sense. And I realize it's sort of in the weeds there, but I want a couple of things. I want you to understand what may or may not have gone wrong. This is their a working theory now. They have a lot of testing to continue to figure out, to, to, to prove out that theory if it actually happened that way. But so I want you to sort of understand what may be going on in New Hampshire and just to compare and contrast the difference between that and the clown show audit theater underway by the cyber ninjas in Arizona. By the way, as Stark also noted uh, in comments to the media that these machines uh, are used all over New Hampshire. And if this problem happened to show up in Wyndham, it could have showed up all over the place. <laughs> all over the state. Uh, and frankly, I've been warning about these very deep old machines in New Hampshire for a very long time. So this is just another reason why one should be quite concerned about them, particularly in a close election. And a reminder of why the gold standard for elections is always hand counting, hand marked paper ballots. Quick break. And we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. understand my explanation about what they think may have happened in Windham, New Hampshire? Yes. Okay, because it's hard to explain on the radio. I realize <laughs> that. So I'm hoping that I hope people understood it. By the way, I, I still hope to have uh, Philip Stark, maybe Harry Hursty on the show to talk about the uh, audit, either while it's still ongoing or after it's done, because they are both uh, excellent, and I'm delighted that they are uh, setting setting the example of what such an audit should be yes. across the country. So pay attention to what's going on in Windham, New Hampshire. All right. 
Let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. Chaos left in the wake of Colonial Pipeline's ransomware attack. Calls grow for federal oversight of energy infrastructure cybersecurity. The city can't seem to catch a break. It's still reeling from Hurricanes Laura and Delta last year and an ice storm in February. More disasters for Lake Charles, Louisiana. Pipeline company defies Michigan governor's shutdown order. Plus... For the second time in a little more than three months, a refinery has rained oil over homes on the Caribbean island of St. Croix. EPA shuts down U.S. Virgin Islands refinery as imminent threat to public health. All of those disaster tales and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent Independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It is so long to snow days for New York City students. The Department of Education says that it will now keep two practices from last year. During severe weather, students will shift to remote learning instead of canceling school. And election day will also be a remote instruction day. That's right, kids. The bad news is snow days are over. The good news is, thanks to climate change, soon there won't be any more snow! Yeah! <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Oh, that's not a good thing? Okay, Tessie Doyen, more trouble, really, for Lake Charles, Louisiana? Yes, unfortunately, as we go to air, another flooding emergency has been declared in Louisiana and Texas after more than 17 inches of rain fell in 12 hours in some areas on Monday. Really? Especially hard hit was beleaguered Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is still trying to repair and recover from damage caused by those two major hurricanes last year, Laura and Delta, and that deadly February ice storm that knocked out power to several states. You've likely heard by now that Colonial Pipeline paid $5 million in ransom to hackers. and Yes, re- yes, you heard it here on the Green News Report when I told you that Colonial paid off for the ransom. And then, of course, an hour or two later... They finally admitted it. Yes, they did. You're welcome. Colonial intentionally shut down the pipeline because the hackers prevented it from billing its customers. The widespread disruption that caused has led to broad calls for the federal government to establish the first ever minimum cybersecurity standards for the nation's critical infrastructure. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, in an interview with The Hill, noted that about 85 percent of U.S. infrastructure is privately owned with almost no federal cyber cybersecurity protections. An enormous responsibility comes with that stewardship. And I do think we need to take take a real look at a policy level uh, at what's being done when you have data at stake, when you have security at stake. Private actors have public responsibilities, and when that's the case, uh, we do need to make sure there's the right oversight. Even Republicans and Democrats in Congress agree on the need to develop cybersecurity regulations for both the private and public energy sectors, including requiring companies like Colonial to inform the federal government when they're victims of a major cyber attack. However, Huffington Post reports that fossil fuel lobbyists like the American Petroleum Institute are already working hard to block such requirements for the nation's oil and gas industry. Of course they are. Showdown 
in Michigan, pipeline company Enbridge has defied Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer's orders to shut down its troubled 70-year-old Line 5 pipelines that run under the Straits of Mackinac in the Great Lakes. The Canadian oil company Enbridge has refused, saying the state doesn't have the authority to shut it down. Whitmer terminated the easement that allowed Enbridge to operate the pipelines, citing its abysmal safety record, and the governor is now threatening to go after Enbridge's profits. An international incident. In the U.S. Virgin Islands, the Biden Environmental Protection Agency has taken the extremely rare step of invoking its emergency powers under the Clean Air Act to order the temporary shutdown of the Lime Tree Oil Refinery for 60 days, citing, quote, an imminent risk to public health. The accident-prone refinery had been shuttered for years due to serious environmental violations, but the Trump administration allowed private equity owners to reopen it in February. Since then, the refinery has rained oil on residents, contaminating St. Croix's drinking water supplies, and several times released toxic gases that sickened hundreds of people and forced schools to close. So this thing is finally shut down? Only temporarily, until an investigation can be conducted. Well, I hope it's a really long investigation. Finally, some good news. The Biden administration has begun the process of repealing a Trump-era regulation that officials at the time admitted was intended to block the EPA from writing new air pollution rules. The Trump rule tried to restrict the EPA's cost-benefit analysis of new public health standards by eliminating the benefit part, preventing the agency from considering co-benefits of cleaner air like lower costs from killing fewer people. It was intended to help polluting industries find a way to legally challenge future pollution rules by making new standards appear to be too costly to industry with no benefits. The Biden EPA has now launched the process to roll back that rule. Thank God we have a new president. Not a moment too soon. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. So there's that, at least. <laughs> yeah, some good news. Thank you very much, Desiree, our producer, Desi Doyen. And th- my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, including yesterday's show where I explained uh, why I am now a plaintiff in a federal case in uh, Georgia against the anti-voting law in the Great Peach State. You can download that if you missed that conversation yesterday. Uh, And you can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at TheBradBlog. I will see you there until I see you here hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Thanks to you. Now I get, I get what I